Again, Cedar Street, I love you very much, and it's my joy to be with you here today. As we ended a, a great journey the past few weeks preparing uh, for the church covenant that we had our ceremony for homecoming last week, God has put it on my heart to lead us in a new direction here the next few weeks, and we're going to reconvene with a sermon series that we've touched on a little bit each year since I've been here as pastor, and that's the sermon series entitled, Jesus Is Going Through the Book of Mark. I mentioned this uh, several times, but for those that have been coming in and out, it bears repeating again. As a preacher, my philosophy in one full year is to preach through one complete Old Testament book, one complete New Testament book, a topic, a doctrine, and a portion of a gospel. That way that I could say in one full year that I have preached the whole counsel of God and you've gotten a good, steady, and full diet of God's Word. And so, we haven't had a chance to kind of park in a gospel, and each fall, since I've been pastoring here, we've taken a, a part of the book of Mark. We went through chapter 1 in my first year, chapters 2 and 3 last year, and so now we're going to be in chapter 4 this year uh, before Christmas, and just re- reconvene our hearts and our minds to think about the earthly ministry of Jesus and consider what He's doing right now as we get ready for His second coming. Amen? And we're going to be looking at a passage here today in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. The title of the message here this morning is, When the Gospel Finds Your Garden. When the Gospel Finds Your Garden. You know, I remember the very first time I heard a very distinct sound. And it's a sound that almost everybody in this room has heard. First time I heard it was exactly 20 years ago. In the fall of 1998, I was in my dorm at Hendricks Hall at Georgia Southern University. It was about 2.30 in the morning. I had fallen asleep and woken back up to this, what seemed to be an infomercial on television, my little 13-inch screen. I had bunny ears, so you only could get two stations. And guess what the first thing I heard was? The sound of birds chirping. And those birds were followed by a certain announcer's voice. And that announcer said something I began to hear many times. He said, and now here's the sower, Michael Guido of Metter, Georgia, with a seed for the garden of your heart. (laughs) 20 years later, that ministry and that message means more to me now than it ever has, and the garden of my heart will never be the same. I really believe that uh, No one in Metter, Georgia will ever be able to stand before God and say they don't know Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Today we're going to be talking about the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. You know, when I think about uh, the Guido Evangelistic Association, again, what it means to me, I, I think about those words that says, scattering gospel seeds everywhere, always. But as we go into the text, and I'll talk about this more in just a few moments, the parable is not really about the sower, it's about the soil. It's about the soil. So we're going to be looking at that here in a moment as we think about the parable of the sower. Think about the end of that announcement. A seed for the garden of your heart. Well, what about the garden of our hearts? That's really what the focus of this parable is, and that's what we're going to look at here as we consider the big idea. In one sentence, what's the big idea as we walk into Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20? Here it is in one sentence. When gospel seeds are scattered in the garden of your heart, it reveals the true soil of your soul. When gospel seeds are scattered in the garden of your heart, it reveals the true soil of your soul. 
So we're going to till up some land here this morning, and we're going to find out what the soil in our own hearts is like, and we're going to let the Word of God do the examination. Amen? So if you have a Bible, please turn with me again to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Again, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. It's on page 997 in your pew Bible. And if you would stand at this time, out of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and fully sufficient Word. Again, we're in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. Hear God's Word to us, starting in verse 1. Again, He began to preach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables, and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. Again, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your written word, the Holy Scriptures, and your word incarnate, Jesus Christ. As he speaks today in red letters, he tells us, and that you send sowers to scatter seed, and that seed's going to fall in the garden of our heart. And today, Father, I pray that your word would open up our eyes and minds and hearts to see what the soil is like. Father, this is not an easy word, but it's an important one. And unfortunately, it's a familiar one. So, Father, I pray as we come to this text that we've heard many, many times, most of us, that we would not come to it thinking we already know this, because if we do, we're going to prove that we are the first soil, and that's the hard one. Let us be soft and fertile like the final one to receive this word and respond in repentance and faith. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, Amen. There's so much meat on the bone here, you could probably preach four sermons out of this one text. You really could. You could preach a whole sermon on the purpose of parables, which I'm not going to go through today. 
You could preach a whole sermon on just the sower. And although I'm not going to preach a message on that, I am going to mention this very briefly. It should be understood that we're all called to be a sower. Now, we not, may not be the sower, okay? When you see that, that water tower that says home of the sower, it reminds us of a person. Of course, that's the late, great Michael Guido. But we're all called to be a sower, to go out and scatter gospel seeds and, and share the word of God because we know that it will not return void. It will accomplish what it is set out to do. And again, I could preach a whole sermon on that. In the essence of time, I won't. But I do want to pause and say, praise God for sowers. That's what we're called to do. We're called to scatter the seed of God's Word. But as I mentioned before we read the text, if you look closely, and we're going to look closely at this, this message is not about the sower, it's about the soil. Because the sower scatters the seed, and the seed is the Word of God. Those two are constant. Everywhere the sower goes, he's scattering, and all the seeds he's scattering are God's. But the thing that constantly changes throughout the parable is the soil of which the seed falls upon. And it is the seed that refers to our hearts, the garden of our hearts, according to the Guido ministry. And I'm going to use that illustration throughout this entire sermon. So here's my prayer. Okay, stay awake today. Stay stay sharp with me. Stay in the word with me. I want, as we walk through these four different soils, for each of us to say, where am I right now? What, what, what climate, what, what, what temperature, what condition is the soil in the garden of my heart right now? Because, you know, I'm going to say there's a two-fold application for each of the four soils. There's an application for a non-believer who's never come to faith in Jesus. But, for those of you who are Christian, there's an application of each of those four soils for you as well. So if you think that this is certainly just for salvation, and you can cross your arms and say, boy, they really need to hear this today. You are sorely mistaken, and you have shown yourself to be the first soil, the hard soil. All right, so I want us to have open hearts to listen to this and self-examine the condition of our garden. So as we look at these four different garden soils, let us ask ourselves that the soil of our heart Where is it this morning as the word of God is being scattered? I'm the sower this morning and I'm scattering the seed. What kind of soil is it going to find? So the first of the four questions of examination we want to ask is this. Number one, when the gospel finds your garden, will the seeds fall on hard soil? When the gospel finds your garden, will the seeds fall on hard soil? And this is kind of unique because Jesus gives us the parable, then he gives us the explanation of the parable. So I'm going to read the description, then I'm going to read the explanation, okay? So let's look at the description, verses 3 through 4. He says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So that's the description. Now hear the explanation. Jesus, I love, Jesus is the talking commentary. He tells us the answer. I love this. The sower sows the word. Verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. This is what we call hard soil. Hard soil. All right, this is a farming community, so most of you should know this even better than me, the city boy that God brought to the country. All right, you should know about hard soil. They certainly did in this time that Jesus was speaking in Palestine. In ancient Palestine, uh, farmers' fields were long, narrow strips, and they were divided by little paths that had beaten and molded into hard pavement by the feet and by the hooves and by the wheels. Okay, we've all seen this if you've ever been in the, in the field. 
the little patches of dirt in between the crops, when the people are stomping on it day after day, and back then when the horses were riding through it day after day, and when the wheels were riding on top of it day after day, that soil got compacted harder and harder and harder until it became almost like cement. And so it is with some of the gardens of hearts in this room right now. So let me start with the hard soil of a non-believer's heart. All right, the hard soil of a non-believer's heart. A non-believer who does not believe in Jesus, and when they hear the word, they don't respond in faith. They're people who are tough-minded, resilient, proud, independent, and deaf to the gospel. Some of them may be atheists, and they say, God's a fairy tale. Or I've heard this quote, religion is opium for the uneducated. They have a hard heart. However, there are some that believe in God and have yet not yet come to faith in Jesus. And they may say something like this. Well, what you and God have at church, I can have right here. I don't need to be with any of those hypocrites. They may not have come to faith in Jesus Christ, but they know God exists. But their heart is hardened. And so they don't want to go where God is. That's the hard soil of a non-believer. But what about the hard soil of a believer? Most of you in this room would claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. So, how do you not know that you have the hard soil of a believer? This is a person who is prideful and unteachable. They reject authority and they reject change. They want everything in church to remain the way it was 50 years ago. And when they see or hear something that they haven't heard, they say, what is this? They pause and question And when they hear familiar passages they've heard over and over, they say, well, this isn't for me. I already know this. This is for them. Boy, I'm glad they're here because they got to hear this today. They really need to hear that. Preacher, you preach. Boy, they really needed that. They forget that the gospel of Jesus Christ is something that you need today more than you've ever needed it before. They accept it for salvation but they reject it for sanctification. They think they've moved beyond the fundamentals of the Christian faith and they cannot live out the gospel in their life. One of my absolute favorite authors, a gentleman named Jerry Bridges, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. Uh, He he lived a good, hearty life. I think he lived into his 90s and uh, he was a prolific author for for Nav Press and he wrote a ton of books. Uh, one of the books he wrote back in the early 90s was called Disciplines of Grace. And he had this concept that every so-called preacher and best-selling author steals it from him today. But he talks about preaching the gospel to yourself. And he had a whole chapter on that. In fact, here's what he says. I'm going to read an extended portion because I want you to think about this. Okay? The gospel is not just for salvation. That's the beginning, not the end. The gospel is something that renews us and transforms us. Okay? We talked about that during the covenant. Here's what Jerry Bridges says. The gospel is not only the most important message in all of history, it is the only essential message in all of history. Yet we allow thousands of professing Christians to live their entire lives without clearly understanding it and experiencing the joy of living by it. I believe part of the problem is our tendency to give a non-believer just enough of the gospel to get him or her to pray a prayer to receive Christ. Then we immediately put the gospel on the shelf, so to speak, and go on to the duties of discipleship. As a result, Christians are not instructed in the gospel, and because they do not fully understand the riches and glory of the gospel, they cannot preach it to themselves nor live by it in their daily lives. Unquote. Page 46, Disciplines of Grace. 
Clearly put, Jerry Bridges is saying, if you think that the gospel is a message of salvation that you hear once, you get saved, and then the rest of your life is to go and help try to get other people saved, you're getting step one, but you're forgetting the rest of the story. The same gospel that saved you is the gospel that will change you from the inside out. You need to preach to yourself every day that you are not good enough to have a relationship with God in your own human effort, but that you are worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ and He draws you into a personal relationship with Him and you live out that relationship in a covenant community with a local church. And you serve faithfully day after day, week after week, year after year, building the kingdom of God, not because you have to, but because you get to, because the gospel has changed your heart. That's the truth. Now, when I told you I was going to preach from the parable of the sower, was the first thought in your mind, go, boy, I've heard this one a thousand times. I don't say this jokingly. You could legitimately be a true believer. Okay, I'm not saying you didn't have a legitimate conversion experience, but that over, the, over the years you began to think, I already know this, I'm moving on from the fundamentals, and I'm going into other things, and you've grown a hard heart. A hard heart. You know, as a pastor, often we're called to preach the word, and it cuts deep, but we're also called to encourage. So let me pause and encourage for just a moment. I look around this room, and I do, I do see many people that have kept warm, fertile hearts for the Lord and the gospel. And I want to mention just a few without embarrassing anybody, but just sharing real-life examples. One just happened this morning. You know, my, my dear brother, and he's been a father figure to me for years, Brother Eddie Jones. We call him the Bible man in this church, right? If everybody, anybody has not been on his email list, you need to get on it because he, he's the Bible trivia man. So the Bible trivia man who probably I would be willing to put... A, all the money on the table, including me, that he has more Bible knowledge, just general knowledge of the Scriptures, maybe than anybody else in this room. When we have a prospective member class, he walks right into that classroom for eight weeks with me, unless he's out of town singing somewhere else. And at the end of every time we've done the class together, he says, I learn something new every time. And I say, there's a heart that's open. He's the teacher of the teachers. He had a Sunday school class here for, I don't know, three decades but yet he's always receptive to learning something new. It's just a joy to watch. Another one's Ronald Cardell. He always comes up to me and says things like, I've, I've, I just never thought of it that way. Thanks for sharing that, encouraging me, putting his arms around me and, and, and telling me, wherever you go, I'll follow and, and preach the gospel, preach it. And then I think of Ronnie Sykes. You know, I, I had this vision in my mind, okay? We went to a missions conference. All right, we're sitting there and and me and Ronnie and, and several of the other deacons are sitting there, but Brother Ronnie's got his notebook open, and he, the, he and I are the only two taking copious notes. I mean, we're just journaling. And the thought I had was, I really need these notes. I've not been on the mission field, but Brother Ronnie could be teaching the man he's taking notes from on how to serve God on the mission field, and yet he's still learning, still taking notes. Let us not all have that heart that will never walk into the church and say, I already know this. We'll never walk into the church and say, man, I heard that preached better by so... It's not about the preacher. It's not. God can take the worst of preachers and, take, and give you a fresh insight to an eternal word if you have a heart to receive it. If you have a heart to receive it. There should never be a sermon, a class, a devotion, or even a book that you would ever pick up and say, I already know this if it contains the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will tell you this. In my office, I have a lot of books, and praise the Lord, I hope to have a lot more books to come. But my favorite books 
are simple, basic Christian truths. I read them all the time. First of all, because I never want to get to the point where after having a master's and hopefully one day a doctorate in theology, that I get to the point where I can't explain it to someone who hasn't been in that class with me. Because there are people who are much more mature than I am spiritually, they just haven't had as much theological training. So when I read those things over and over, it helps me to put it in terms that people can understand. But it also helps renew my own joy in the gospel. I enjoy them a lot more than I enjoy my systematic theology textbooks. Just reading the basic truths of the Christian faith over and over. I said, God, never let my heart get to the place where I don't have the joy that I had the first time I got saved and I bought a Bible and I didn't even know the difference between a chapter and a verse. Do you know that? In 2007, when I got saved and I bought my first Bible, I sat at the table and tried to read Genesis and I did not understand what the big number was and what the little number was. No one taught me. But I wanted to learn. God, help me never to get to the point where I don't have that same desire that I did the day I tried to figure out the difference between those two numbers. Because there was a day when you didn't know the difference between those numbers too. God is good, is He not? He is faithful. So number one, when the gospel finds your garden, will it find seeds that fall on hard soil? Number two, when the gospel finds your garden, will the seeds fall on shallow soil? Listen to verses 5 through 6 and then 16 through 17. Here's the description. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Now here's the explanation in verses 16 through 17. Jesus says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. This is the shallow soil. In Palestine, much of the land was a thin two to three inch layer of soil over hard, hidden limestone. Okay, I've not been to Israel, but I have many friends who have been. And that's what the climate is like out there. You see a lot of dirt and you think maybe that's fertile ground, but just three inches down, you got nothing but limestone. So what happens is you got a lot of plants that sprout up, but when that hot Palestine sun gets a hold of it, they wither away quickly. There's no way for it to be nourished because there's no root. They're shallow. So how does that apply to a non-believer and then a Christian? Let's start with the non-believer. A non-believer with a garden heart of a shallow soul is typically prone to have emotional responses to everything. This person gets inspired by a message or a ministry, maybe even gets involved as a volunteer for a season, but they fall away. They were never truly saved, okay? They got excited and over-emotional for a season. And then years later, when you ask them if they're a Christian, here's what they say. They don't tell you about God's work in their life. They say, yeah, I'm a, I was a member of XYZ Church. I served on a committee there 20 years ago. It's all past tense. It's all based on emotion. You know, there's a, uh, I say this not really jokingly, but it, it may sound funny, but it's, it's true, unfortunately. Youth pastors have an understanding if you take children to camp, okay? Thursday night's cry night. Okay, Thursday night's cry night, and Thursday night, Every teenager in the entire building is going to come down the aisle and they're going to give their life to Jesus. And then some may come Friday night or Saturday. But the truth happens weeks and months and even years from then. Because some of them, when they cried and came down the aisle, their heart really did change because the seed fell on good soil. 
and some it fell on shallow soil. And shallow soil is, they were emotional, they were in the moment, they felt it, but it never took root. They never truly repented of their sin. They were never truly saved. They were involved in this emotion, and it happens, and they fall away, and a lot of them, and it's scary to say this, they rest on a conversion that they thought they had that they didn't based on an experience they had 15, 20 years ago because they have shallow soil. Now, what about the shallow soil of a believer? A believer with a garden heart of shallow soil is someone who's truly saved and showed great promise and bared fruit at one time, but when they faced persecution for their faith, they stepped away and they're still convicted about it today. All right, They'll say, I can't go back to church after being gone for so long. It's too hard. They, they were so in love with Jesus for one season. Their heart was truly changed and they truly came to know the Lord, but yet... When they faced persecution for their faith, when they were called, when they were standing in the face of temptation and they gave in to the temptation, the, the shame that they felt kept them away from church and they haven't been back since because they're shallow and they need depth. And it's sad. The, sha- the sad reality of the shallow soil is you can't tell the difference between a believer and a non-believer. That's the saddest part. Because a non-believer can get emotional for Jesus and come down and pray all these beautiful words and never be saved. But a person can truly be saved, have an emotional moment, the Spirit of God living inside of them, but when they face persecution, there's no depth to them whatsoever, so they quench and they grieve the Spirit for so long they they, they start becoming numb to the Spirit, prompting them to grow in the way of the Lord because they have no root, because they're shallow. And they'll die as baby Christians, even if they're 90 years old. And and to tell you the truth, only God knows the difference between the two of them because I I don't. And you don't either. And guess what? They don't. If you've got a family member who's not active in church and they come to you and try to comfort you and say, me and God, we're okay. They have no authority to say that if they're not living in obedience to God. They don't. What they have is a shallow heart. And they might be saved and they might not, but only God knows. That is the seeds that fall on shallow soil. Number three, when the gospel finds your garden, will the seeds fall on crowded soil? Now, I'm going to spend a minute on this because I think this is the majority of American evangelical churches today. Okay? Listen to the explanation, or the description, then the explanation. Here's the description. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. That was verse 7. Now, listen to verses 18 through 19, the explanation of Christ. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So so how do you know if you have crowded soil? Well, the crowded soil is where there is so much contamination of bad worldly weeds, it chokes out any opportunity for gospel growth. And I'm going to get real and practical here, okay? So let's talk about the crowded soil of a non-believer's heart. All right, the non-believers with a garden heart of crowded soil, they may hear and think about the need of salvation for just a moment, but their mind is like a TV, a TV that all the channels just keep changing over and over and over and over again. And so they stop and think about Jesus for a minute and they ponder, you know, maybe that's what's missing in my life. You know, I'm not happy at work. I'm not happy in my marriage. I'm not happy with my children. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need Jesus. Maybe they heard a sermon on TV and 
they get inspired for a few minutes and they write down in their journal that they should go to church on Sunday and visit this person or maybe ask this Christian that I know of about their faith. And maybe they do or maybe they don't, but within a few weeks, it comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. They're choked by the worries of the world. There's so many things on their mind they can't get clear about Jesus. And so there's no opportunity for true confession. There's no opportunity for, for true growth. They're crowded. But what about the crowded soil of a believer's heart? This is my primary conviction of every church, including this one, that we struggle with. All right? In one word, the crowded soil of a believer's heart is one who is too busy. Busyness is the sign of crowded soil. Busyness. They have Bible apps on their phone. They have endless devotional books on their shelves. They sign up for inspirational emails. They even have New Year's resolutions to read more of the Bible, have more of God in their life. But by Martin Luther King Jr. Day, they're on to other things. Basically, they miss out on the world to come because they got their too much focus on the world they're in right now. And Americans, we are the worst. We are the worst because we're so busy. We miss what's most important. It clouds our mind. We need a vision of Jesus. And Jesus is trying to get through the weeds to show you who He is. But we let all the other weeds grow up in our garden. And, and some of those weeds could be good things that we allow to be God things. All right, We're worried about our bank accounts. We're worried about our 401k. We're worried about what the scale says. We're worried about so many things. We're too busy for the gospel to take root and for our lives to really change. We have good intentions, but we've got no structure, no discipline, no accountability. And we're willing to let the world take hold of us before Christ does. All of us are in danger of this, myself included. And so this is not a one-time examination. We need to constantly think about on a daily basis what, what soil is in the garden of my heart. Because if we're not careful, this is the one that's going to get us the most. I really believe that. If you're a Christian and you've been here for many years, hard soil could, could happen. Shallow soil, probably not so much if you've been here consistently. But boy, the crowded soil could happen fast. Hard soil takes time. But boy, how many of you got one or two weeds in the garden, then it was an uphill battle from there to get them out? All right? You get gallons of Roundup somewhere in your garage because you know quickly you got to get to the weeds. We need to be the same way about our faith. And that leads me to the fourth and final one. This is the one I have joy in preaching to you this morning. When the gospel finds your garden, will the seeds fall on fertile soil? Listen to verses 8 and then verse 20. Here's the description. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And then here's the explanation. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. This is the soil that every farmer of the field and every preacher of the word desires. Fertile ground. Receive and reproduce. Receive and reproduce. I preach, you receive, we reproduce. Together we transform. The gospel seeds are going out. We're receiving them. We're changing. We're growing. We're receiving them. We're changing. We're growing. And we're bearing fruit. This is what God intends for our lives. Again, it doesn't happen overnight. 
Some of the best harvest takes a full season to come before it's ready to be reaped. But at the same time, we can say that over the course of a season, we see that there's fruit being bared in our lives. So what happens in the fertile soil of a non-believer? Guess what? They become a believer. The fertile soil of a non-believer is someone who's open and ready. And when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're pierced. They're changed. The Spirit draws them and opens their eyes and removes that heart of stone and takes that heart of flesh and plants it in fertile soil and they become a follower of Jesus Christ. But what about the fertile soil of a believer? They are somebody who grows deeper and deeper and deeper and bears more and more and more fruit. They're humble. They're teachable. They're hungry for the Word. They're obedient to leadership. They're grateful for having a a church family, and they're faithful to serve in that family. That's who they are. That is someone who's got fertile soil as a believer in Jesus Christ. So, talked about four soils. Talked about the hard soil. Talked about the shallow soil. We've talked about the crowded soil. And we've talked about the fertile soil. Well, let's sum this up and then do a point of examination here. In one sentence, how do I sum all this up? All these beautiful words of Christ. I would say this. Gospel seeds can transform our gardens into the image of Christ, but they must take root to bear real fruit. Again, gospel seeds can transform our gardens into the image of Christ, but they must take root to bear real fruit. So which soil are you this morning? All right, which soil are you? Are you hard soil? When you walked in this morning, did you expect to hear a word that could totally transform your life? Or did you think, I already know this. What about shallow soil? Are you still thinking about a time that Jesus did a work in your life 15 or 20 years ago? Still living off the the emotion of the past and not bearing the fruit of the present? What about the crowded soil? When you came in here this morning, were you already thinking about what you have to do this afternoon? What about the fertile soil? Did you come here today expecting a blessing? And now you received a blessing. And when you walk out of here, you want to share that blessing with other people. It's a question worth asking. And as we get ready to close here, I'm going to leave you with practical application. I want to give you a vision. And then I'm going to give you a verse that I want you to take home with you and chew on. First, the vision. I want you to put in your heart and mind King David. Okay, from the Old Testament, King David, the most prominent writer of the Psalms, the main character in First and Second Samuel, and certainly the most prominent king that we ever talk about when we talk about the kings of Israel. We know David as a man after God's own heart, right? But I think it's because of the heart that he had for God that we remember him. Now, David was a, a man who sinned and sinned greatly. There were seasons of his life where he did have hard soil. One of them in particular is when the prophet Nathan challenged him about adultery that he had had with Bathsheba. He had committed adultery and had blinded his own judgment that he literally thought that God didn't know or that it was okay until Nathan called him on the carpet and then all of a sudden it changed everything. And in response to that, we know his response because his response is recorded in Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, he did something that all of us can do in this room if we want fertile soil. The number one thing you can do if you want fertile soil is confess. 
confession is what will bring fertile soil to those that are hard, shallow, or crowded. Confession. Here's what he said in Psalm 51, verses 3 through 4. As he stood before God, David said, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. That's confession. That is confession without excuse. Let me just say this. This troubles me. You know, one of the things I'm so grateful that we do as a church that I think almost every church in this community does, we have a a benevolent committee and we minister to people who are in need. And sometimes people make some really bad choices and they get backed up against a wall and they need help. Some of them don't know where the next meal is coming from. And it's been my joy to watch our committee minister to those needs. But you know what? I can't remember a time when one person's come in at rock bottom and said that they messed up and need help without making any excuse. Every single person that comes in there will tell you they need help, and the reason why is because this person did this to them, and this person did that to them, and this person stole this, and I trusted this person, and I I never hear, I messed up, I need help. And that's exactly what we should say to God. That's true confession. God, I messed up, I need help. I mean, that's really what the scriptures are about, repentance and faith, repentance and faith, repentance and faith. When Jesus shows up in Mark chapter 1, they said, what must must we do to be saved? Repent and believe. I messed up. I need help. And then you wake up the next day. Man, I messed up again. I need help. And this is a pattern of confession and cleansing and God making us new. Confession is a gift. And how do we know when we messed up? Here's another passage. And if you're a note taker, write this in your Bible and take this home. And I'm telling you, pray over this. This is something I've been doing at least once a week for several weeks now, and God has really been using this in my life. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. This is how you can truly keep a heart that is fertile. Here's what David says to God. He opens up in prayer, and he just lays before God, and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's laying himself bare before God and he's saying, search my heart. And if the soil's getting hard, make it soft again. Show me where my sin is so that I can confess it. Here's what I believe about confession. It softens the hard road. It fills the shallow pits with abundant grace. It clears out the weeds with freshly tilled land and it strengthens and multiplies true kingdom fruit in the fertile soil. That's what confession does. I'm telling you, a week of your life should not go by without you doing business with God and saying, God, show my heart. Show me where I'm I'm going wrong here. Show me what barriers I'm putting up to more of a closeness with you. What God may do is prompt your mind through the Holy Spirit of those things, and you can write them down and confess them right to Him. But what He also might do is speak through someone else to bring them to your attention. That's not always pleasant. I know it happened to me in the last week. Someone called me out for being prideful, and it stung. And I had to go back to her a day later and say, you're right. That hurt, but it was right. It was birthed out of a prideful heart. You know what? But I'm going to confess pride as much as I have to so that pride doesn't make the soil hard because it can How do good Christians who bear fruit get to the point where they think they're so prideful they can't be taught, they can't be be led? They get to the point where they stop confessing sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We say it every Sunday morning. 
basically you could say this. If we say we have no sin, our soil has gotten hard. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. We could say, if we confess our sin, he'll make our soil fertile again. Cedar Street Baptist Church, I say this from the depth of my heart. I understand how Paul could look at his people and say, I'm the chiefest of all sinners because I am a sinner who stands in front of you. And I'm not ashamed to confess that I am a sinner. I'm ashamed to confess when I don't. Because I know that confession is what lies between me and the greatest gifts that God wants to pour out in my life. If I just be honest with who he is and who I am, where I've fallen short and where I need his grace. So as we enter into a time of invitation, don't, don't just sing a few words and go home. And when you go home, I'm telling you, even for the next week of your life, pray those words to God. Psalm 139. Pray those words to the Lord. He may bring things to your mind, but then again, he may speak them to you through other people. So let me say, as we enter into a time of invitation, I've scattered some seeds this morning, and I've asked you to consider your soil. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, which means your life does not, I'm not saying you believe up here. I'm talking about the garden. If your life does not belong to Jesus Christ, do not harden your hearts. As Jesus says, if you have ears to hear, listen. Give your life to Jesus. Confess your sin. Ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. And commit to following Him. Confessing where you fail, but finding joy in His grace. But if you are a Christian... Do not assume that you're the fertile soil. Don't even look at your works and say, well, I'm volunteering for this many committees. I thank you for your service. But what's your walk with God like? Is there sin that you have not confessed and it's built up for so long that you've built hard soil and when the words preach, there's no power or presence of God in your life? If you haven't experienced His presence or seen His power in a long time, I would say, what's the relation to the last time you genuinely got before God and wept? Weep. Weep before Him. Because He will cover you in His grace every single time if you're willing to turn away and give your life to the Lord. And that's just another seed for the garden of your heart. Let's pray. Father, again, these are heavy words written in red. The words spoken of by Your Son that bear Your truth that the word goes out. You have many sowers who scatter a lot of seeds. Father, let us never, ever, ever get to the point where we think our soil is permanent. Either for good or for bad. For bad, that, Father, that we think that it's so hard it could never be made soft again because your spirit can do all things. But also good that if it's soft, that it could remain soft and you could continue to bear good fruit day after day, week after week, year after year, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. So Father, I pray that you would seek the garden of our hearts in this room right now. And through your Holy Spirit, show us what our soil is. Help us to confess of sin that is hardening the soil underneath. And help us to be fertile for you to do the growth that you want us to grow in. And we would be transformed together into the image of Christ. For it's in His name we pray. Amen.